0: believe it myself but i can't dispute what my soul knows peter john it's all true come see this everything he said the tomb every impossible detail it's empty it's one. There may be days when we deny. I don't know him. When our faith loses its footing. have me confused. I don't know him. And we stumble along our way. I said I don't know him! What has been found? (laughs) What has been defeated? What has been forgiven? (laughs) What was once dead has new life. What was once old has been made new. What was once finite has been made eternal. May we remember and follow the Risen Way. Let me tell you a story today. It's a story that's 2,000 years old, and it's the story of the first Easter. It's a story that has been given to us today at no small price to human life. People have died so that the words that we hear today could be said. In fact, people tried to destroy the words that we are reading here today, but people, people died. They, they hid the word. Sometimes they were uh, crucified as well because they too decided that the words that we hear today are important enough for, us to, for, for them to be passed on. So the words that we're reading today are actually probably more valuable than gold, definitely, more valuable than diamonds. Isn't that a strange thing to think about? The words that we read here today are more valuable than, a, than your car or your house or your bank account, or even the National Reserve, I would say, of the United States. This, these words are precious. So many people have fought so that we could hear these words today. And so I, I want you to take in this story as they would have heard it in that first Easter, one year after Jesus had been risen from the dead. Let's read this story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 24, verse 1 through 12. This is the story of the first Easter. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb. They, by the way, are the women that followed Jesus. They're the women that have gathered together, and they are going to take care of the body of Jesus that is now dead. It says that they were taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body. Now, while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. And the women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners, must be crucified, and then must rise again on the third day. Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them that told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them to be an idle tale, and they did not believe. But Peter, he got up and he ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. This is the word of the Lord, and we all say, thanks be to God. Amen. Now, this story is a strange story, this particular portion of the story of the gospel of Jesus, because it starts out with this really broken scene. You might think this is not a painful painful narrative right here, but it's really sad. The women that are going to the tomb are going to a tomb of the one that they followed, Jesus, who they had put their trust in and who they had so much faith in. And, and they're going to the tomb to take care of the dead body, so that means that they've come to grips with the fact that Jesus is dead, that Jesus is no longer going to be alive in their life. And also that means all of the promises that Jesus had given to them about their future and the hope and the good things that would happen in their life, they had basically given up on those. And so they're going to the tomb just to kind of piece together the remnants of what was, what was left of their relationship with Jesus. I don't know, it's just a show of hands. How many people have lost someone close in their life before? Is any, a lot of you? Quite a few. So you know what it's like to have to try to recover from the loss of someone you really love. And this is fresh. This is two days in. This is real pain. This is real grief. And so they go to the tomb with these spices that they had prepared to take care of the body of Jesus. And it was especially painful because Jesus died on a Friday, and then there was Sabbath. They weren't allowed to go and take care of the body of Jesus. And then they had to wait a whole day longer than they should have to go and see Jesus' body and to take care of it. But they got to the tomb, and they found that this enormous stone, this huge stone, had been rolled away from the entrance of the tomb. And you imagine they started to think to themselves, and the other scriptures tell us, that they thought immediately, oh no, someone, is, someone has messed with the tomb of Jesus. Not only has he been crucified and killed unjustly and incorrectly, he was a totally innocent person, he was killed, and now they've messed with the tomb of Jesus, and they were just even more broken. And they go in and they think, well, let's just go and see what happened to the body of Jesus. I hope they didn't do too much to it. So they go inside and they look in and they find out that the body's not there and they're crushed. The words here are perplexed, but the actual Greek translation has a lot of other meanings. Some of them, and I like this one, is at a complete loss. Have you ever just lost something really, really, really important? Or as some of you now, now I know you know, when you lose someone you love. There is just this sense of loss. You'll just never get it back again, right? That thing will never be replaced in your heart. And so they're in this place, this dark, dismal cave. When you say tomb, it's not not like a crypt even here at the cemetery. It's, It's a cave that they went into. And then something happens. Something bizarre happens. Two supernatural beings appear inside of the cave. And I don't know about you, but I've... I've thought I've encountered supernatural beings, and I have cowered in fear when I, when I thought that was happening in my life. But this really happened in their life. And these two supernatural beings, or as the Gospel of Luke likes to elegantly call them, two men in dazzling clothes. Uh, well, he wasn't, he wasn't the, the most uh, poetic writer of the Gospels. But these two supernatural beings appear before them, and it says that the women were so afraid. Can you imagine being this afraid? So afraid that they bowed with their faces all the way to the ground. That their faces were on the ground like this. In fear, inside of the tomb. And these men say to these women, they say, This is a better, I mean, if you're a Hollywood writer, I'm sorry, the best line's already been taken. Period. He is not. Why are you looking for the dead among the living? Oh. Cohen brothers wish they came up with that line, don't you think? Why are you looking for the dead among the living? They must have turned their heads a little bit and thought, what? And then he said that the two men said, "He is not here. He has risen." And then they listened a little closer, and then they said something really strange because these words were words that only they and Jesus would have known about. They're the only ones that would have known about these words. But yet these two supernatural beings are saying, remember when he was still in Galilee and he told you that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and he must be crucified and on the third day rise again. And you can imagine the women sitting up and thinking, what is going on here? And remembering that, yes, Jesus did say those words and Jesus is not there. And instead of all of their hopes and dreams being dashed and diminished and destroyed, Now they are coming true. And actually all the things that Jesus said he was and and did are now being fulfilled. You know, C.S. Lewis actually said that Jesus Christ was either exactly who he said he was, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, or he was a raving lunatic and a very evil person. Because if he wasn't, he'd, he'd be a liar. He'd be an outright liar if he wasn't who he said he was. And these women must have at least crossed their mind as they walked to the tomb that day before they found out that Jesus is risen thought maybe all of this was just a delusion. Maybe we had just gotten worked up about this whole thing. Then they discover that everything that he said was true and then some. Now they go back with this kind of faith and I don't know if you've ever had something miraculous or exciting happen in your life and that's a beautiful kind of faith. But this is a different kind of faith. This is a kind of faith where they have just discovered that so much more is true for them in their life. That the miracle of what they have just experienced means that a billion more miracles are possible. And they go back with their hearts beating. They're just excited to share this faith. I don't know if you've ever encountered someone that's just come back from a worship service and they just found Jesus. Does that all scare you a little bit when someone tells you, hey, I just got to tell you, I just found Jesus. Or or does it scare you when they just tell you, I just want to tell you about how I, how I had an encounter with the living Jesus. Does people just come up to you on the street and tell you that kind of stuff? And do you, do you just think, man, this person's got it all together. That, that, that person is, or do you think to yourself, that person might be a raving lunatic and I need to be a little bit careful. I need to pull out my phone and kind of dial 911 and get my re- get ready to push send button. Have you ever done that? that, that that's, that's Honestly, that's where the disciples were. They were in that place of grief. And you know what? They called those women liars. They said that they didn't believe what they were saying, that they had just made up what they were saying. Have you ever been called a liar when you were telling the truth? There's really nothing more painful. I can even remember as a child when I I was telling the truth one time and everybody in the house just said, no, you're not telling the truth, and then you get disciplined for that. There's nothing more painful than that. And not only that, but they were, they from the disciples' perspective, these women were being cruel. They were, they were, they were messing with their heads, and they, almost like a sick game, telling the disciples that Jesus was alive, and, they, and that they had encountered these supernatural beings. And it couldn't have been true. It just couldn't have been. They had already accepted that Jesus Christ was dead. And then something strange happened. Peter, one of the 11 who doesn't believe. And also, they tell us that there were 70 disciples that followed Jesus. There's probably kind of like the number of people in here. And none of them believed, except Peter did something interesting. Even though he didn't believe, he got up and started running. He got up and started running. And he ran, and he ran, and he ran as fast as he could. And you know what's really interesting is this Peter is the same Peter who two days earlier had denied Jesus. Jesus had told Peter, he said, Peter, you're going to deny me three days from, three times today. And, and Peter said, not a chance. I'm your best friend in the whole world. I would never deny you. And Jesus says, you're going to do it three times and you're going to do it tonight. And do you know what he did? He denied Jesus three times. And Peter must have walked in there, running to the, sorry, run to the tomb with this guilt thinking that, you know what, those people at the trial of Jesus came to me and said, you know what, hey, Peter, everybody's telling these stories about Jesus. Can you verify whether they're lies or whether they're true? And Peter had every opportunity to tell everyone that they were complete fabrications and lies. But you know what he said? He said, I've never heard of the guy in my life. And they said, you know what, really, come on, if you come in here, you can get this guy off the hook. Why don't you come and vouch for this guy? No, sorry, I don't know who that guy is. Have you ever had someone not stand up for you in your life? Or maybe seen someone else getting bullied or beat up or, or kicked out of the workplace and never stood up for that other person. That's painful. There's a lot of brokenness that happens in those experiences. And then we have Peter running to the tomb, convinced that this couldn't have happened. And as he gets to the tomb, he sees that the stone has been rolled away. And you can imagine for a second he starts to think, what if what they are saying is true? What if what the women have told me that Jesus is risen, that supernatural beings appeared and said it is true? What if that is true? And he still walks forward even in his disbelief and unbelief. And he walks down into the tomb and he looks in and he sees the linen cloth of Jesus. The clothes that Jesus had been buried in and they are tucked neatly to the side saying, I don't need these burial clothes anymore. And it says in Scripture that Peter went home amazed at what had happened. Totally amazed at what had happened. Now, I like to ask you today, if you're in a place of disbelief about Jesus, I want to let you know that you're in the same place that the disciples were who followed Jesus for three years who had every contact with him and saw the miracles with their own eyes. If you're in that same place of disbelief about this, you're not in a different place than Peter was or the apostles, the people who lived with Jesus and, and pledged their life to him. But today I would like to encourage you to take steps forward to investigate. You know, when Peter got to the tomb and he saw that the tomb was empty, he must have thought to himself, wait a second, Jesus told me that I would deny him three times, and it came true. And now Jesus said that he would be handed over to sinners, crucified, and then rise again on the third day. And that's true. And he started, you can imagine the amazement in his mind. If those two things are true, then that means that all these other things are true. That means that hate is not the most powerful thing in the world, that love really is, and that love can beat hate, and that there can be healing where there's brokenness, and that there can be restoration where there's pain. It means that there can be life where there otherwise people just said, that thing is dead, there's no hope at all. There's no hope for anyone finding hope in this. You know that the cross was designed by the Romans to destroy hope? It was destroyed designed in order to take away all of your your hope and all of your ambition for a different world than the one that the Romans were providing. And every time they crucified someone on the cross, they were saying, we want to point out to you that we have the final word on how this world is going to be run because we are the Roman Empire. And yet Christians now use this cross as a demonstration that Jesus has Shown his authority over the cross, over the Roman Empire, over death, over all darkness, over everything. Now, I want you to take the flower. Do you guys have the flower with you? Or did you give them all to the kids? Did you give them to the kids? All right, then that's not going to work. Take the flower of your mind. That's okay. You don't have to hold a flower. You just find one up here that you can look at. And I want you to think about this flower as, yes, the creation of God. I want you to think about it as reminding you of that moment when something really good has happened in your life. You have some really good news. Maybe it's the birth of a baby. Maybe it's a real miracle that's taken place in your life. Maybe there's some little thing that's happened to you that you just were amazed at. And maybe some of those things you haven't told to another person in a long time. You haven't stopped someone at your workplace and said, did I ever tell you that something incredible happened in my life? And you just haven't, haven't shared that good news. You know, there's, there's two great lakes in the Middle East, and one is the Sea of Galilee, which is this freshwater lake, and then there's the Dead Sea. And the Sea of Galilee is this thriving lake full of fish and full of life, because stuff goes in and stuff goes out. Because the water flows through it. But the Dead Sea is dead because everything just flows into it and stops. It just takes and takes and takes and takes. There's something about life where, where we live more fully when we give. When we take the good news that we've been given in our hearts and our minds and our souls and we share it with the world, we become more alive we become more thriving, more things are happening. Now, this is the beginning of the, the Jesus Revealed sermon series that will be taking place over the next eight weeks. And I don't claim that today's message is in any way going to resolve all the healing, all the pain and the brokenness that you have in your life, but I really do think that the next eight messages are going to be really, really helpful to you if you're going through a tough time or if you're trying to figure out who Jesus is and who you are if you're trying to figure out what to do with your family or what you're going to do with your work situation, I invite you to take all those things into this series called Jesus Revealed. And we're going to discover that this wasn't the last time. Jesus didn't leave those 11, 11 disciples sitting in the room without, with their disbelief. I love is that Jesus went to them. Jesus went to their place of disbelief, and he actually appeared to them, and he and he, Jesus went fishing with them. Does this sound like the coolest guy in the world? He went fishing with them. He went walking with them. He cooked fished dinner for them over the fire. He played jokes on them. He actually sat down and had dinner with them. He appeared to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, so many people that they're not accounted for inside inside of the Bible. And we're going to be looking at those encounters with Jesus that people had over the next eight weeks. And we're going to discover what it means to have Jesus revealed to us as a community. And what it means when we start to become a people who not just receiving the love of Jesus, but we're going to share the love of Jesus. And we're going to see how the tapestry of our life and the tapestry of the world and the tapestry of all of the stories that we've ever been given. These, these things that people call idle tales, they're not idle. These words have changed hearts and minds and souls forever. And they have the opportunity to do so for us as well. And if we, we appreciate these, we'll recognize that they're more powerful and more valuable than gold and more valuable than diamonds. And we will receive them and we will cherish them. And of course, we won't keep them. We will share them with others. So now I invite you to do something. Remember how I told you when someone, someone tells you about Jesus, you think they're kind of crazy? And I know that you guys probably think I'm the craziest person in the world right now. But I'm going to to invite you to join the crazy train today. Does that sound good? Jump on the crazy train. That's the name of this sermon. I'm going to change the title uh, online. Jump on the crazy train. I want you to do something crazy right now. And I want you to share the good news that you've experienced in your life with all the people around you today. And I want you to do it by grabbing a flower up here on the stage. We're going to just place all the flowers up here. And I want you to come up on the stage. And I want you to preach today. I want you to share the good news, and I'd like you to place it somewhere here on this backdrop, on this wall that has been built here. Because we thought we could have done this ahead of time, before you came in, but there's no way it would be as beautiful as if every one of you had the opportunity to participate in the decorating of our worship space for Easter. So now the band is going to begin to play, and you're going to have an opportunity. And I encourage you, if you want to take 50 flowers, you can put them up there. You can put them up here on the cross. And put them up here on the wall. And share the good news that you've experienced in your heart. Whatever that miracle is. Whatever that joy is. With those around you. Let's share the good news of Jesus with others. He is risen. risen. Amen.